Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. I always love my segments with Chris Kidd. We call him the money man here on the Price of Business because of his great work he does with people, everything from entertainers to athletes and to uh, people who are, like everyone else, trying to figure out how to make their mo- most of their money, to be good stewards of it and to manage it well. Uh, but also, he and I have done some great stories. In fact, I would say in my Hall of Fame of uh, stories. I bet he is in the majority of those in 20 years of doing this show by bringing really important and very interesting guests uh, for us to interview together. Um, and he co-hosts these segments with me. Chris, love always having you on. Um, your website is Chris Kidd. That's K I D D T H R I S T I D D dot com. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce our, our guest today our, uh, and our topic today. You brought in a doozy for us. Yeah, this uh, is an interesting story because when this came out, uh, when this movie came out, I got with you and said, we need to find somebody attached to this movie to get on the show. Uh, I really want to talk to this. Um, and Everybody has probably heard of The Sound of Freedom. If they have not, they absolutely have to go see this movie. Uh, today we have the man behind the whole thing, uh, Paul Hutchinson, and I'm looking forward to this interview as much as anybody else. So uh, thanks for being with us, Paul. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I got to tell you, when he told me Paul Hutchinson was going to be on, I was going to say, what? Come on, you're pulling my leg, right? Because uh, not that we don't get people like you. We've got Emmy winners, Oscar winners, New York Times best-selling authors. We get great name guests, but it was the timing that surprised me because you're right in the middle of a phenomenon. I mean, this movie has been a phenomenon. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. We uh, we only spent $14 million on uh, production and we're we're almost at two hundred million in box office sales in the U.S. We're the number one film in about uh, I believe last time I checked fifteen countries uh, throughout Latin America and other countries right now. So it's it's taken the world by storm because people are wanting to hear this message and understand what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Go right ahead, uh, Chris. Paul. Um, how did this movie get, or how did this whole project get started? I know there's, uh, the, the problem's been around forever, but uh, as far as like you getting brought into it and the whole group that you worked with and everything that you all have done, and I know that it was like really all of this stuff was happening you know, over the last, what was it, five years ago, uh, and then you all are just able to release it now. Uh, tell us a little bit about how all this got started. You bet. So almost 10 years ago, um, I, uh, I was running a successful real estate investment fund. Uh, I had a special set of skills that made me somewhat safe in a dangerous place. And I got, I got invited to not only help to fund, but help to participate in an undercover rescue mission in Colombia. Ended up in the rescue of over 120 victims. Phenomenal story. We learned a lot about what was going on in trafficking. At least I did. There was a Homeland Security agent that was there that had been working in it for a while. And, and we decided that the only way to fix this problem is we needed to create a movement. We needed to, to let the world know what we had seen, not only on that mission, but since that time I have led or played a key part in over 70 undercover rescue missions. And we took a lot of that information from those missions, put them all together into the film, we finished the film more than five years ago, and it's taken, it's taken a long time and a big uphill battle 
to finally bring this message to the world. Yeah, and, uh, and not without a whole lot, I mean, not without controversy either. I mean, it's been interesting to observe personal attacks against you, ideological attacks about you, uh, incrimina- oh, yeah. incrimination by association, uh, you know, and, and uh, allowing, you know, people who have been interested in, whom, some of whom I question, uh, but the reality, how can you question the work? I mean, that's the part that I, I'm befuddled by uh, when I see uh, particularly those on, on the hard left. Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the, uh, uh, you know, the really controversy. Uh, yeah, the controversy and the, the flinging of, uh, I think, accusations where, uh, you know, the old saying is if there's smoke, there's fire. It seems like there's a lot of effort to create smoke, but the fire never shows up. Yeah, yeah. So, so on that note, you'll, you'll, you'll notice that the, the, the guys that are, that are trying to slam me and slam Tim and slam some of these others, those guys were were code silent when the movie came out. They, they would not promote it. There was no way we could get any visibility on main street media and with these main news outlets at all. I mean, we were a phenomenon. We were, we were breaking all of the records. We were, we were, we were doing better than, than Indiana Jones who had spent 300 million, all of this stuff. But the only way this message got out was by good people on social media connecting with others and saying, hey, this is the best film I've ever seen. Well, here, now, months later, they're trying to dig up whatever they can to discredit us. Now, I will say this. The guys who go and rescue these kids, are, are none of us are perfect. There's one perfect man on this planet, and he died 2,000 years ago, and that ain't me. And it ain't Tim and no, none of our other operators. Uh, most of these guys are you know, tattoos and three earrings in their noses and that are doing undercover work with me and are on their third marriage. So if we sit back and take a moral judgment and say, oh, these guys, this and that, then we're, then we're going down a dark road. And, and that goes for all of them. Now, I will say there was a Vice article that came out about me about a week and a half ago. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, producer, because I'm, I'm the primary investor in Sound of Freedom. The, 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 the producer himself actually plays me in the film. And since that time, I've led 70 undercover rescue missions with some very, very dangerous people in dangerous situations. You don't find children sitting in the lobby that are, that are for sale, sitting in the lobby of the Ritz-Carlton. We, we're in very dangerous places in very dangerous situations. And so, so there, there's a bunch of crap coming out about me, about Tim, about others. I have a podcast that will, this, that will go into detail, detail of the Cabo San Lucas rescue mission that will be released today. And, and you'll see, you'll, you'll put yourself in that situation and say, okay, if I was there, if I was there with those guys in that situation, knowing that there was a high chance that she wasn't a minor, we could have gotten killed if I didn't do what I did, would you move forward? And there was 23 victims that were recovered from that mission. Thousands of children are back with their families because of those 70 missions that we ran. So anyway, so I'm not afraid to, to take them all head on. I am a man of God. I'm a man of principle. I'm in a very happy marriage. And, and stand with the fact that I led those missions with integrity and honor every single time. Well, for me, uh, because I have heard the article, you just put a lot of pieces together. So I appreciate that. I encourage people to check out the podcast, to reach out, and even read the Vice article. And the fact that you are so eyes wide open and so open about it, I think it's powerful. Chris, your next question. 
Well, before I get to the next question, two uh, things real quick that come to mind is, one, obviously when you're doing something like this, there's a lot of people that don't want uh, stuff found out and that they may be attached to. I, I'll just say there's a lot of people in power who uh, are contributing to some of this. I believe that um, they don't want anybody to know about it. And you see that all over the place and the, like the whole deal with uh, Jeffrey Epstein and everything. Um, what kind of, actually, let's go to, uh, there's a story you told Paul when you were here in Houston like a week or two ago about uh, you were in a room. Uh, it, it makes my blood boil and I don't know how you, ha I mean, I just don't understand how to handle this, but you were in a room with a guy that I think you said he brought out, um, a little boy and some girl or something. There were some little kids, yep. little, little kids that had brought out. And um, tell, tell a little bit about that story because, oh, man, as, Absolutely. as a parent, it's just, mm. So, So in if, if any of your audience has seen the movie Sound of Freedom, uh, my character is the Latino uh, Eduardo Verastegui. We, we didn't ever want – I thought that I would be undercover forever, and so we, we didn't name him Paul Hutchinson. We named him Pablo Delgado, but, but he plays me in that film. And, and my driver, uh, the way that he can – the Homeland Security agent convinced me to go undercover and, and help with these kids, my, the driver shows me a picture of this little 11-year-old child. In reality, I was already there. I was in Colombia face-to-face with these traffickers, and one of them leans forward, and he said, Pablo, I have a gift for you. And he hands me his phone, and there's a picture of this child, 11-year-old girl. He said, this is Princess. She's still a virgin. And started talking about horrible things I could do to this little girl. Well, fast forward two weeks later, we're, we're there at the sting operation. We had 70 federal agents that were undercover in different capacities that uh, – uh, you know, we have four that are wade, our waiters and our, mate, our, our cooks, et cetera. These guys brought 54 children there to the Cartagena mission. And, um, and one of the traffickers gets up and he said, Pablo, he said, I have to show you the gifts that I brought you. And the children were in this little palapa, this different place. We were negotiating with the traffickers out on this table. He goes inside where the children were. And minutes later, you could hear two or three of them crying, scared to death. And, and they were so scared of coming out and meeting these men who were going to defile it, them, is what they thought. They were so scared. And I was so glad it was us there and not some monster. And, and they, they come out and they had four virgins, three little girls, one little boy. This little boy was 11. They gave him cocaine that morning because he was so scared it was going to hurt. And what kind of effed up monster thinks that that's attractive? I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm sitting there on this chair, Chris, and, I, and this, this, this trafficker brings this girl. She's 11, the one that he showed me on the picture. And I'm sitting down. She's standing up, and her eye level is almost the same. And I'm looking yeah. into her eyes, and I, all I could see is fear. And I made a commitment right then to myself and to God and to that child that I would dedicate my life to eradicating that evil from the face of the earth. I, I stood there and I, I took her little hands and I, I asked her her name. I said, come on, this. And she said, she, she didn't answer. And I'm sure it's because her real name wasn't Princess. She was trying to figure out what the traffickers were wanting her to say. 
And I, and I just said, Esteban, it's okay. And I told the traffickers, I said, look, we're not time for the party yet. We got to still negotiate a little bit more, send these kids back inside. And the most beautiful moment of my life up to that point was after the, tr- the agents came and stormed the party and arrested everybody, us included. The bad guys think that we were extradited to the U.S. to stand trial. And 30 Child Protective Services people came in with the children. And they started laughing and they started singing with the children just to calm them down because they were so scared. And that sound of freedom was the most beautiful sound that I ever heard. That's why we named the movie Sound of Freedom is because that transformed all of our lives, especially compared to the crying that we heard less than half an hour before. Do you want to make sure we cover as much territory as you can? That is an incredibly powerful story, and I'm glad you shared that. Real quickly, share your website, and then we'll have uh, uh, Chris ask the uh, next question. Give, give us your website real quick. Absolutely. The, the best way to find information on all this is my website is Liberating Humanity, just I-N-G, liberatinghumanity.com. And uh, that will give you access to the podcast and some materials you can use to keep your family safe, et cetera. If you want to get information on our foundation, you can go to liberatechildren.org. So there's not an ING on that. It's just liberatechildren.org or liberating, liberating humanity, ING, liberatinghumanity.com. And I would love to uh, have you come and and get some more information and, and find ways to help keep your family safe or even join us. Join us I, uh, yeah. uh, participating in any way with what we're putting together. Chris, your next question? Yeah, I've got, uh, I guess, a, a little quick two-part. One, uh, watching the movie, I, I felt really intense emotions just watching it, like this heartache, uh, anger, hatred. Um, how intense were the emotions in the middle of it on a scale from 1 to 10? And then uh, is this something that can actually be stopped or is it, some, is it like fighting a forest fire with a water gun? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, first of all, being there firsthand personally with these kids is the most emotional thing that you can ever imagine. I, I, I can't even tell you that the sadness that I felt when I looked into that child's eyes that first time, I can't tell you the joy that we felt with hearing their, their joyous, you know, singing and stuff after, after the rescue. And that's happened every single time on every mission over the last 10 years. And the question about fighting this and winning, I, I made that commitment 10 years ago on that mission that I would, I would dedicate my life to eradicating it. Last year, I looked at the numbers. I had just finished some other undercover rescue missions in Ecuador, and I looked at the numbers, and I realized there's more children being sold today than there were 10 years ago. And I said to myself, Paul, if your goal is to eradicate this, you're, you're not doing a very good job, right? Because there's, there's more today than ever. And I, I took a step back and I said, okay, the problem is this. Just going undercover and pulling these kids out of hell, yes, we're making a difference in, the, in their lives. However, if not enough is being done to fix the demand, another 20, 30, 50 children are being sucked back into the deepest recesses of hell and, and being exploited. So we needed yeah. to figure out how to fix the demand side. That's what liberating humanity is all about. 
Child Liberation Foundation is just about rescuing the kids and the rehabilitation of the kids, et cetera. Liberating humanity is fixing that problem, fixing the demand that I don't want to be fighting fires. I want to be preventing those fires. I want to make it so that that never happens. I don't ever want to have a child go through that kind of pain for years before finally somebody comes in and, and helps pull them out of hell. I want to take that pain away before it ever happens to them. And that only can happen by, by solving the demand side. Paul, thanks so much for reaching near uh, beat the clock time. Uh, <laughs> not my favorite game show. Uh, let's wrap it up, though, with, uh, first of all, I know a lot of people who want to see it uh, haven't got to the movie yet. It's COVID, don't even like going near movie theaters. Talk about uh, what your thoughts are about it being released for screening, and uh, if so, you know, when? And Absolutely. Which, which network? It's going to be, uh, you know, we've, we've had some uh, uh, Angel Studios is the distribution partner that uh, we as the producers uh, went with, which is fantastic because it's almost a grassroots movement of good people that are promoting these things. And um, um, they, they're the ones that brought the TV series The Chosen. So if you've watched the, the, the TV series Chosen, then you know their platform. They're going to be taking it out onto other platforms besides their own. But we're hoping as soon as we're done with the theatrical distribution throughout the, the rest of the world, which will be within the next month, that, uh, that you'll start seeing it on, on, uh, on, on some of the streaming platforms, if not those, for sure, it will be available on Angel Studios' private streaming platform. Yeah, sounds good. Chris, thoughts as we wrap it up? Yeah, uh, Paul, I'd like to, I guess, kind of finish my part with uh, a question that you addressed when you were here in Houston, because um, I was floored by the answer um, about the the hatred. Somebody had asked something about the, the hatred uh, that you must have had uh, being in front of some of these guys and seeing some of them and like what the feeling was and your response just like uh, really shocked me uh, about how you felt about them and what you saw from their, you know, what their probably their background or their past was. Talk a little bit about that like real quick. So, yeah, people, people ask me, Paul, how can you go face to face with somebody selling you an eight year old and not have them see the hatred in your eyes? And my answer is this. I don't hate them. I don't hate, and they say, well, they're telling you a child. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a sympathizer. I do every, I put my life in danger to ensure they never touch another child to make sure that, that the innocence is preserved at all costs. However, what I wish more than anything is that I had a time machine. I could go back 10, 20 years before they ever crossed that line and figure out what was going on in their life that made them think that it was okay to take that path. I, most yeah. of them dealt with childhood trauma themselves. Most of them have dealt with all this crap that if, if we could come with a, a place of compassion. Now, we don't have a time machine, but what we do have is, and this is, goes back to your answer, is this fighting a fire that can never win? No, this is how we win this. We, we realize that we have generational trauma with billions of people who have experienced sexual trauma as a child most of them in their own homes. These are the type of people that grow up. Some of them just deal with anxiety, depression, and anger issues. Some of them use that pain to, to protect innocence at all costs. 
unfortunately, there's a small percentage that grow up to be contact offenders. We need to love them and help them heal before they ever pass their trauma on. Yeah, yeah, that's a great answer. Um, whatever happened to uh, hate the sinner? Um, and I think that uh, what you're saying is exactly what you are alluding to. It's multi-generational trauma. Molesters were molested. The, the evidence is overwhelming. And uh, it's a thing that, you know, that passes on from generation to generation. It's really horrific. Great response. Uh, people need to check out the movie. And they need to learn more about this work. By going to liberatinghumanity.com, you can always learn more about uh, Chris Kidd, uh, one of our favorites, and show regular over at chriskidd.com. That is with two Ds. I am Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business. Stay tuned for more after this. <laughs> 